What's going on, everybody? This is Joe Guarneri. Thank you for tuning in to the epilogue. I've gotten some feedback from a few listeners this week, so I just wanted to say thank you again to all who tune in. It means the absolute world to me, and I'm glad that you're all enjoying it. I want to start off today's episode of the podcast a little bit differently than usual. Um, I thought it would be cool to talk about what I'm currently reading and what I've recently read and what I plan to read so that you can all get a sense of my tastes beyond just what I talk about in each episode. So I've recently finished Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. It was sort of a nagging embarrassment as someone who loves American literature that I hadn't gotten around to this one yet. And in short, I enjoyed it a lot. I understand why it's considered one of the great American epics, and there will certainly be a podcast on it really soon. Just last week, I began reading Vanity Fair, which is a classic I'd had on my radar for a while and never read, despite being really into Victorian slash Regency era literature. I'm about 200 pages or so in, really uh, enjoying that one too. I'm an easy, I'm an easy reader to please, um, if you haven't already noticed that. So my reading plans for the rest of the year are big ones. My big summer and also honeymoon read is going to be Women and Men by Joseph McElroy. I may have to go with an ebook for this one as I don't know how comfortable it'll be to bring that huge tome around poolside. It's about, I think it's around 1,200 or so pages. Um, after that, I also plan uh, to read Brideshead Revisited by Evelyn Waugh and then probably split the rest of the year between a few fun British classics and contemporary American fiction. I do want to reread The Recognitions, so perhaps the end of 2022 will be the time for that. And I want to also get into the work of Lucy Ellman and William T. Fullman. So that's probably all on the 2022 radar. Today's podcast is on Underworld by Don DeLillo, which is probably my favorite American novel of all time. This was the first big book I read during the 2020 COVID lockdowns. So I have fond memories of throwing on some white noise and escaping from reality with this book late into the night. Underworld is really everything I love in a book. Multiple locales, interconnected characters, explorations of growing up and aging, explorations of relationships, interesting character connections, all of that. The book came out in 1997 uh, to much acclaim. It is 
widely considered a great American novel. Parts of the book take place in the late 1990s, but the book's timeline is not in chronological order. It's actually mostly in reverse chronological order. So it begins in the 1950s at the infamous Dodgers-Giants pennant game that ended with the infamous shot her around the world. DeLillo has said that the novel was inspired by the front page of the New York Times on October 4th, 1951, and that page included news of the pennant game and also news that the the Soviet Union had tested a nuclear missile. And the prologue of the book interestingly contains both of those events. So the home run occurs. The ball is caught by a young boy named Cotter. And then from there, the narrative jumps to the 1990s and then to the 80s and then to the 70s, the 60s, and then the 50s before returning to the 1990s at the very end. If I had to be overly simplistic about the book, it is really the story of the people directly and tangentially related to the lineage of that home run ball. So loosely, through a quintessential American pastime, DeLillo aimed to answer the question of where the country was in the 90s and how we got there. Like other DeLillo novels, the characters are placed amidst this vast panorama of American life and key periods of American history. For example, the news that the Soviet Union had tested a nuclear bomb, the Kennedy assassination, the Vietnam War protests, etc. And the characters are there to allow DeLillo to explore psychologically what it was like to live and to love and to suffer during those times. The book has two principal characters among a huge cast of other characters. The first principal character is Nick Shea. He's a waste management executive with a troubled past. He grows up in an Italian-American neighborhood in the Bronx, and a key element of his teenage years serves as a huge twist towards the beginning of the book. The other principal character is Clara Sachs, who's a woman. She's about probably 15 or so years old older than Nick, and the two have an affair when he's around 17 and she is in her 30s. So besides the prologue about the pennant game, their reunion in the late 90s sets up the rest of the novel. From that point, we get to see their lives in reverse. We get to experience the events that led them together And we also see the aftermath of their affair. And there are all of these other little related events that occur surrounding the lineage of the 
home run ball and also the connection between Nick and Clara. The novel is about a lot, but the connection between the two of them is the most prominent aspect of the book. Underworld is preoccupied with a number of things. The first is waste and garbage and its connection to consumerism and American culture at the time. DeLillo seems distrustful of consumerism as he is in other books of his. And the book sees consumerism as unnecessarily fragmenting or trivializing American life. I think the preoccupation with waste is sort of a warning of the impermanence of things at the close of the century. The book is also heavily concerned with the chase for something one feels is missing. Of course, most of the narrative centers around the chase for this home run ball. But at the heart of the book is a longing for less tangible or perhaps less materialistic things. So Nick, for example, longs for a relationship with his father who leaves the family. Clara longs for youth and eventually leaves her own family to elongate her youth. And with one character chasing a parental figure and one chasing youth and also the fulfillment of some purpose, some unrealized purpose. It's no surprise that the two end up in an affair at the time they do. The other characters in the the book, for example, Nick's wife and family, Clara's husband, uh, their co-workers and partners, lovers, friends, etc., all receive attention throughout the book too, along with characters not related to them at all. So there's Sister Edgar, who's a nun. She's at the end of her life grappling with cultural and societal change. There's a graffiti artist who pops in and out of the book too. I personally enjoy when novels have huge casts of characters, especially when the characters offer the varying perspectives that those of Underworld do. You get so many glimpses into the lives of these characters, yet the novel never seems overtly disjointed. The narrative almost seems to mirror the map of connections and relations that a person has over the course of their life. There's also a focus on illustrating all the parts of life that tend to happen below the surface, even the clandestine, the occurrences and happenings of life that seem to hide themselves from the public eye. Affairs, murders, obsessions. Clara Sachs, who's an artist, has this art project where she is painting inactive bombers, so these huge airplanes. And this happens in the desert away from civilization. There's a segment on 
a group of graffiti artists who dwell in the underground world of the New York City subway system. There's a lengthy section of the book on the elusive Texas highway killer who murders other drivers on a remote highway, things like this. And the theme overlaying all of this is, of course, death. The title, Underworld, is a reference, of course, to the afterlife, among other things. Death is everywhere. Death from nuclear war. Death by obscurity. It's everywhere. Delillo has said in an interview that the events of the book take place in the shadow of the atomic bomb. And to the characters in the novel, the apocalypse is always just around the corner. And there are a ton of books that explore this exact point in American history. But Underworld, to me, does it in the most personal and the most psychological. And another point I should make about the book is that even though it's a sort of chronicle of mid to late 20th century American history, it is extremely prescient in its view of the future, particularly related to media and technology. Certain characters, for example, are glued to computer screens and TVs, obsessed with things like serial killers and, for example, the Zapruder film. Technological advancement is destructive within the book. For example, at the close of the book, Nick travels to to see a waste disposal mechanism that uses nuclear blasts to disintegrate garbage. The text is very wary of technology, and I think DeLillo saw coming what Harold Bloom, in an interview, called the tyranny of the screen. The book is very realist as as far as postmodern novels go, yet there always seems to be some hint of the supernatural. Take the epilogue of the book, for example. In the epilogue, the character, Sister Edgar, who's a nun, witnesses a miracle. The miracle is likely just an optical illusion, but she witnesses it anyway. Shortly after, she passes away. And in the the final pages of the book, seems to enter cyberspace or her her spirit, I should say, enters cyberspace. So what began as realist becomes surreal and almost paranormal at the very close of the book. This, I, I bring this up because it's, it's one part of the book that two years after, I still cannot fully make heads or tails of. Does this represent a takeover of the physical world by the virtual world? Is it a hint at the expanding limits of human consciousness? Or is it signifying that the new shadow we live under is not that of the bomb, but of technology? One podcast can absolutely not do 
this book, Justice. It's something that you need to to read and experience for yourself. If you enjoy maximalist fiction, if you enjoy being immersed in beautiful yet also eerie and paranoid prose, you'll enjoy this book. And I think anyone interested in any sort of discussion on the American canon needs to read this book. So that's going to do it for today. Thank you again for tuning in. As always, you can reach me at Joseph Guar on Twitter and Joe Guarneri on Instagram. If you are enjoying the podcast or have some feedback, please feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you, and I hope to see you here for next episode. Thank you.